Yeah. Yo, what do you want? Beak or jaws? Feathers or fur? Sharp teeth or feet with claws? Whatever's preferred. They'll grant you all last requests to steady your nerves. Then podcast the body parts get severed and served. Bring your weak shit where the wolf and owler. That ain't just a mistake, that's an awful howler. Both of them are known to pull up at your shows. Have the crowd witnessing the murder like they rolled in with a gang of crows. Fuck their censorship, let them see the whole thing. They stay dressed to kill, never sheep's clothing. Dark enough to turn the sun to the moon, you'll see nothing. All you hear is a huff a puff and Expect killings, red spilling and flesh ripping Impressive in it, the death bringing his head spinning Just kidding, every word in his song's about two grown men Dressed up as a bird and a dog Welcome to the Wolf Yo. and Owl podcast With me, Ramesh Ranganathan And me, Tom Davis, aka the Wolf of Hope And I am the Owl of Disgruntlement Tom, how are you? Very well, mate, yeah, very well a lot Good. of pressure on this episode, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's we're coming lot, right off the bat. A lot of pressure. <laughs> it's coming right off the bat of doing another episode. Well, I think it's fair to say you're 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 jet lagged, right? Jet lagged, disappointed with the Arsenal performance. Yeah, uh, been trying to console some kids who uh, have, fought, have sort of conceded that Arsenal's title races. Do you know what? Like, the, I'm going to level with you. Even though we drew again, I couldn't have. I I'm, I care more now about fantasy league football than I do West Ham. Yeah, I know. Say it now. That's what you, that's all your text reflected. No, but I do. I've, I've I've really started to fall out of love with supporting West Ham for the first really? time in my life. I've, yeah, I don't know. I find a complete disconnect with the team and and all of the everything going on there. And actually, I get far much more enjoyment out of playing fantasy football. Okay, I, I'm supporting um, players now. I look at the team, like for example. I'm really close at the moment to reaching out to Trent Alexander-Arnold and just saying, I really need you to fucking perform tomorrow. Like, well, one of the one of the things I found was weird during our text exchange in the football match between West Ham and Arsenal is when West Ham, Arsenal went 2-0 up for those, I know this isn't a football podcast, but Arsenal went 2-0 up very early doors. And then West Ham got a penalty through a horrendous error. Yeah. A couple of errors, one from Thomas Partey and then the immediately afters by Gabriel. Um, you said I was really hoping for my uh, for my own sake that we were gonna you were gonna keep a clean sheet. Oh, I needed Gabriel that, that is, to keep a clean sheet, really. Yeah, and that was incredible. Look, can I, I just, mean that is a real context, insight. I, I'm in the same league as you are, by the way. Where you're bottom of that league, in and you you you're bottom of the comedians league by quite. Am a long I in that way. comedians league? Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Am I? Yeah, you are. Well, what what comedians league? You are in the Comedians League. Am I? Yeah, you're in the Comedians League. Your team... What are they called? Context. I'm going to try and find you now. Oh, man, I've moved down to fifth. It breaks my heart. Real Crawley. Am I bottom? You, yeah, quite, quite. Who's you're in my team? Uh, Ramsdale and goal. Yeah, sounds all right. Saliba. Yeah. Romero from Tottenham. Yeah. Kulabali, who's been injured nearly all season. Mm-hmm. Mitchell. Yeah. Mason Mount. Jorginho. Yeah. Kulazeski, Ward Prowse, Mitrovic, and Jesus. Dear God. Okay. Yeah. You're quite, okay. I mean. Uh, well, what? to give you an idea of how much I've been keeping up with it, I didn't know I had a team until you just told me. <laughs> Whereas I'm fifth in our league at the moment. Yeah. And at, at one point, I've only, I, I, I've really started to climb. I've re- and I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to, to, fucking, to finish as high up as I can. So Gabriel's really shafted me this week, yeah. and Saka didn't help by missing a booming penalty either. What do you? What? Why do you care so much? 
just because I have an obsessive, I have obsessive compulsive mm. disorder that if I get into something, I can't just do it. I can't just just like lightheartedly play fantasy league. I have to have it has to consume at least six to twelve hours a week of mental torture. Do you have it's the a same thing, thing where... with golf? Yeah, no, I know. Go back to the last episode when we talked about FIFA. I can't just I can't have things that I just go. Oh, I'm going to just lightly get into that yeah. thing, and it's just a yeah. little. Personal no, I can't hobby. prepare for the tour because I've got to go to Scotland for a golf tournament. That's yeah. the thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I get you. I get obsessive, not to that point, but I do get fairly obsessive. No, so I'm um, obsessive now, and I'd sort of taken my foot off the gas a bit because I was like, I'd just sort of almost gone like, we're just going to be safe. I, I'll, I'll finish twelfth, and now I'm I'm essentially hunting down those above me. I'm like 50 points off the top of our league. I um I, I became obsessed with hydration recently. Really? Yeah. That's not really the same though, because that's you need that to live. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not saying. I've, I don't. I, I think I've probably in the time and all the years I've known you, I think I've seen you drink water like maybe four times or five times. Whatever. I can't. I can't think of time. I don't just pick up a water and drink it now. I'm not. What? <laughs> I, you, like when we do this, I'll always have we. I'll always have water with me when we're doing this. I know, but you know, you usually have like a sugary drink, like a, a Schnapple or a like. Never had. A, you've never seen me drink a Schnapple ever. You seem like the kind of guy who drink a Schnapple because they're from America and you think they're cool. Oh my god, it's so embarrassing. That's so fucking absolute nail on head. I I. Oh god! I, you know when like, does, do you have a picture saying in your mind? And like, I'm just like, like, I just got this vision of like, you lying on your hotel bed, the boys are all gone to sleep, you're lying there, Lisa gets up and she's like, I'm just going to go to the vending machine and get a drink. And you're like, ah, I'll do us a favour, love, get a Snapple. No, well, I, Snapple is in my past because I heard a rapper mention it on a tune, so I became obsessed with drinking Snapple. And like, every right. time I went to America, every time a friend of mine went to America, I'll ask them to bring back from, some Snapple. And then I got really excited when I worked at the airport and whistle stop at the airport started doing Snapple and I used yeah, to do yeah. fruit punch Snapple all the time. You know they're really bad for you? Yeah, I know. It's the me. most sugar in any drink ever. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's... Is that true? The most yeah. sugar in any drink ever? Yeah, yeah, man. Really Even true. a builder's tea? <laughs> That's a fallacy, by the way. What do you mean? That's the builder's tea with loads of sugar in. How do you know it's a fallacy? Well, I worked at building sites. I've also drank Snapple. I know the fact that... Builders don't have as sugary tea as you might think. Does Bob, like, doesn't Bob Mortimer have? Isn't there a video clip of Bob Mortimer adding six sugars to his tea on Radio Two or something? He wasn't even doing it for sugars. a bit. I think it might be six or seven, but there's like a clip that they put on their Instagram. This is him during a show. He'd ask for a tea, and then he's talking and adding sugar to it. And he like adds six sugars. Jesus, yeah, that's insane, isn't it? You mm. find it quite sad that him and uh, like Jim Moore don't really talk anymore. Yeah, I saw that. I read that. Yeah. yeah, I find it quite heartbreaking. Oh, we love them two together. I, I love if that's Baltimore. a conversation that some, whatever the entertainment field takes to in our future. Somebody going, have you had like the Wolf for now? Like, just don't even. <laughs> Out of the like, two, who, did... who do you think is going to be doing the painting and who do you think is going to go fishing more? I imagine that um, if I was choosing between the two of us, of which one of us would disappear into obscurity, it would be me. Really? And, and you, yeah, yeah, I do think so. I don't know. And I, and I think you'd carry on sort of doing it, and people would go. I always actually thought that when I listened to the podcast, I always thought that like 
Romish is a bit try-hard, whereas Tom sort of had it naturally. He's more of a kind of a genius, wasn't he? And I, I don't guess think that's, that's true. I think I think I think me. I, I I can imagine you're you're so good. You've got so many strings to your bow. Also, I worry that my my old aching bones, like height thing, probably. You know, like Andre the Giant, a lot of those big guys. They didn't sort of make old bones, did they? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who's the guy who's in? Uh, he played Jaws, and he's also in Happy Gilmore. Oh, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but yeah. Yeah, Richard Kill, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, in Happy Gilmore, if you go back and watch that film, he's always leaning on something because his legs are given away. He was too Is tall. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, go back and watch it. He's always leaning on something or someone throughout the whole film. Go back, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Well, that's ruining that film for It's sort of right? like something we talk about within Tall, Gr- Tall Club. But um, I, I had a thing recently where me and Rob, I talked about this on the previous episode, which we recorded well just finished recording 10 minutes ago but um i um we did rob and ron versus k-pop yeah and we did a photo with a k-pop you're putting a lot of pressure on this k-pop i know i know but i had to crouch we had i crouched down for a photo and as i was crouched down i was aware as they were taking the photos i had about 40 seconds left of that in me you know what i mean like yeah I, I, i was actually you know it was supposed to be a casual kind of just sort of knees bent crouched in front of the band thing and i was sort of smiling but inside i was like i am in fucking agony like th- this this cannot like I-, I didn't want to be in a situation where i said i'm really sorry but me sitting down here i, c- I can only do this for a little bit longer you're gonna have to hurry up and take what were you time. doing like that sort of squat thing that that boy band the squat do. i was squatting yeah yeah that's hard to do for any. Yeah, I don't think it is hard to do. I had. I, is it? Is, or it shouldn't be hard to do, is what I mean. Is what I, I, yeah. I don't know why I've just thought of this story, but I was shooting years ago. I had to shoot. A, I had to. I shot an advert for O2. And in the advert, I was dressed as like a Swedish sort of like guy coming out of a sauna. So I had like a. I mean, we've literally told a similar story, but I was dressed in a thong. And. Um, I come out of the, like, we have to shoot, you know, a couple of times as it happens, yeah. And uh, my legs were sort of like, I had to have to run across, like, run run to a pool and stuff. So I was all quite tired. So I was in this awfully tight phone. And then uh, I went to sit on this tiny little stool, like, around all the sort of other actors and actresses and the sort of, sort of crew there. And as I sort of sat down, as soon as my bum touched the stool, I thought, this isn't strong enough to hold me. And the whole, all three legs of the stool just completely snapped. And I just smashed to the floor and my balls fell out of this stong. I just lay on the floor and everyone like started laughing, right? And I just sort of had to lie there and, and sort of laugh along with them. I sort of was yeah. sort of a bruised ass and a bruised ego. And people were coming up to me for the whole day going, oh man, it really picked spirits up when you did that. And it was so demeaning for that to be the sort of like, you know, also, this is how sad it is. I was thinking, oh, that's when I carried a bit more. I, I'm shooting a thing at the moment um, for Disney. Uh, I can't really say much about it. It's called A Thousand Blows, incredible cast. In, in, involved in it, Stephen Graham and stuff, and amazing cast, right? Uh, we were, like, between shots the other day of A Thousand Blows, right? And the actors in this, uh, amazing, such lovely people, very cool. There's a very... There's people who are very, just very good at what they do. There's drama actors are just naturally very, very fucking cool and hit. They're not mm. me and you, right? No. 
we all go back into this fucking back room bit where everyone's sort of chatting about life and they were sort of all talking about some deep subject and sort of I sort of tried to inconspicuously sort of like come into the room and just sort of sit there and just hope that I could hop, you know, sort of like jump on the back of the conversation with a witty anecdote or something. And I sort of sit on this chair, Ron, and all of this is a period piece. So a lot of the furniture within this is like from its time. So it's 18, like there's, there's a chair that I sat in that's from the 1800s, right? 1850, 1860. This Why chair are they is letting seen, people just randomly sit on chairs from those Well, periods? I don't know if you were supposed to sit on them, right? This chair has seen out two world wars. It saw out the Blitz. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's seen out a lot of fucking shit. I sit on this chair, and as I sit on it, someone sort of says, I'll oh, be careful of that chair, right? And I'm like, oh, I should be all right. And then as I sort of sit, I went, oh, it actually feels quite fragile. And the bottom of the chair, completely, <laughs> all of the slats just smashed and fell out. And like, <laughs> I just sort of like, I could feel the tapestry, but like all falling through. It was awful. Like genuinely just sat there thinking, why does this sort of shit happen to me? What, what was just, the reaction? What was the reaction to that? Some people pulled me out of the chair. It was it was less jovial than the O2. Did your ass drop into your ass drop into Yeah, my ass dropped, so I was sort of stuck within the chair. And a couple of people, like one young, young lad called Billy was really trying to help get me out there. So I wanted to push my bum back through it because it was so stuck. It was so, like, to me, you know, like, sort of, um, and you know that thing, like, you can't, it's not feasibly right, is it, to cry as a man? Like, you know, like, not cry as a man, because we do cry, but you know, like, through that sort of, like, when you're indignified. And For something like li- that, yes, I agree. And you, you know, when you scratch your back, but you're not, there's not enough physical pain to start warrant fucking crying. No. And, you know, it's not a, a real moment of sort of sadness that you can cry. It's just really fucking ego bruising. So I sort of, like, tried to make a joke out of it, as, I, as is my way, my joke was awful. I sort of then had to like watch some people come running in and see the sort of set designers looking at this broken, mangled up old chair that they were all very proud that they got and sort of, they yeah, they had to go and fix it. It was so fucking embarrassing. Um, what I would say in response to that is when I was doing Asian Provocateur, mm-hmm. uh, Sam Hardy, who's an incredible DOP, who was filming on that, he, we were, we'd done a long day of filming. We're absolutely knackered. And we went to have dinner in this sort of back room at this place we were filming. And he sat down on a plastic chair. And as he sat on the plastic chair, all four legs broke like they made of polystyrene. And he just sort of crashed onto the ground. And it was so fucking funny. Like, I laughed for such a long, like, everybody laughed for such a long time. He's not a big guy. It wasn't like, you know, he was just like, it was just a, the, a, a bad chair situation. Yeah. Um, but it was so funny that every time I think of it, which is like every now and again, I start, it gives me joy again. Like I start laughing again. How like does Sam feel about it? I've never told him that, I don't think. I don't think I've ever told him that. But do you I think, how similar... was he about it when it happened? Well, I think it's different because like, I hope, you know, I'm not putting something on you, but when it comes to things like that for me, I am conscious of the fact that I'm a physically awkward specimen. So you do think, I have that same thought as you, as why does this have to happen to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of more embarrassing. If like a really athletic person does it, you just sort of go, it must be something really bad with the chair. Whereas if somebody like you or I do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, go, it's not the chair. They go, why is that yeah. fucking lunk sat on the chair? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, a different yeah, yeah. reaction, isn't I it? I could see the person who was in charge of the furniture looking at me like, why the fuck did you sit on that? Yeah. And then from from that day there's been like quite substantial sort of harder chairs that have been brought in sort of like 
Yeah, it's embarrassing when um, they they take they have to take action sort of job yeah. wide as a result of something you've done. It happens. Yeah, like shepherding you, shepherd you into sort of like more sort of a chair with more weather roll. Yeah. One, one, like, one, one of the schools I taught at, one of the teaching assistants went on holiday to Jamaica and a bit like Monica, she came back with braids and like beads in her hair. And then the next day they issued a school wide hair and dress policy for members oh. of staff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, while we're going to... I have a confession to make as well. Go on, um, Oh, man, this is... I, I'm I'm going to cop some slack for this, I think. Uh, guess what arrived at my house today? Um, a brand new air fryer. What? <laughs> what? I have... Uh, I've wilted, you know. I gave really? I gave away my last air fryer in I don't yeah. know you know we're talking maybe a hundred hundred fifty episodes I was one of the this, f- is, a, this the, is a long callback yeah yeah I was like but I was I think I was one of the first owners of an air fryer that was back in air fryers and then I had a massive falling out with it it didn't work the way I wanted it to but being that I'm really really easily sold and I'm I'm a sheep within my I've watched so many videos over the last couple of weeks about people cooking amazing stuff in air fresh fryers that I now have gone, I've wilted and I've gone and brought, I mean, I brought a higher spec one than I had before. I've gone all out. Why did you go for a higher spec one? Because I think the, I mean, the one before I had was the most basic air fryer that you could ever get. It was pretty. Okay. So, so, so hold on. So let's just, for people that haven't been listening to every episode, and I can't imagine that there are people, the reason that if I can, I mean, I, I didn't know you were going to talk about this, obviously. Yeah, but from memory, the reason that you got rid of the original air fryer is because you said it was overrated. People go on about how amazing it is; it's not amazing at all. Yeah, you think it's, you thought it was a con. You said it's it, it, it's a jip the air fryer as a concept, and you were angry about it. Is my recollection? Yeah, yeah in yeah. an anger not seen previously since the Keanu Reeves. <clears throat> what was that game yeah. called? Anyway. Uh, yeah, I can't. Cyberpunk or whatever the fuck. Cyberpunk, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which, so, look, look, you were... Look, look, so, look, within some runs, I'm going to be right with... Cyberpunk, by the way, has completely disappeared. No one even talks about it anymore. No. But I was right in that scenario. Well, you were. But, look, I, I, so, I'm, so I'm, talk me through the thought process that got you to decide that you were you were back in the air fryer game. Look, there, there's, a, there's a few different... Re- like, number one, I can see that they're... Like, the technology is far more advanced than it was when I was m- missing out. Like... So you, so since you got rid of that air fryer, you've been staying abreast of technological advancements no, like, in, in air fryers. Look, yeah, like a bit like a sort of an X that you sort of every now and again check in on, like a yeah. Facebook or saying. Like I've been right. keeping one eye on what's going on with air fryers, okay. right? I've yeah. been looking at like just just to see if any if there if, and I have seen some pretty amazing stuff done. Uh, we went out for dinner with friends recently. They were talking about, you know, with the different stuff they've done, and I could see. Like what? What, There's what, a is part that, of what is it that pushed you I, over the edge? What did they talk about? Like, uh, some um, some chicken wings that they'd done in it. <laughs> <laughs> they reckon they're the best chicken wings they've ever had. Right, I could see okay. Catherine look at them a bit like, sort of, oh, we used to have an air fryer, but we haven't got one anymore because Tom lost his mind about it. And yeah. I thought, actually, you know what? And also, having a, a baby, I think, like with, with Grace, it's sort of, like sometimes it's quite easy to just throw something in there 
for her, like it's a terrible. No, but for cooking something quite quickly for your child and making, you know, something quick and healthy. Okay, uh, just so you know, just so you know, I'm not in the market for an air fryer. Okay? <laughs> no, no, but this is what happened last time. Okay, I tried to right. sell you an air fryer. Yeah, I'm literally. This feels right. That I'm. It's not lost on me that in, a, in about episode. 43 of series one i did this spill trying to get you into buying an air fryer because yeah. i just bought one yeah but it, like, we're not even talking 10 years later we're talking i think four months five months yeah. maybe a year at most that i'm back now at but the place you, I, I having rejected it as an absolute like, wrong, 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 wrong. Look, I'm, I'm really excited about seeing if what i can conjure up in it <laughs> like like i feel a little bit like you know um you know, like when a bo- you know when AJ lost his titles, yeah, and he came back and won them again, yeah. I feel a little bit like that. I feel a bit like I lost my way with the air fryer. I almost have completely given up on ever using an air fryer again, and I feel rejuvenated. I feel like there's a fire inside me now. Yeah, that- you had an air fryer, you gave it away, and now you've had to buy another air fryer. Yeah, you're a winner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, feasibly, I, I couldn't ask for the air fryer back that I gave away. Also, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't want it. I think like the one, like I don't want to say the name because I want to. Like, I will once I've tried it out. So you've not probably... tried it out? No, 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 no. I mean, you're trying it I'm... out after we finish this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna cook some wings. Well, I'm gonna cook nice for me. Really cafe. quick. It's, I've, got I've got a dual making. I've got a dual one. So it's what like, does that mean? Two trays. I know what dual means, but so what does that them. mean? So you've got two different trays. You can cook. I could do chicken and chips at the same time. I could do wow. if you were to come around to my house. I feel like we're living in the future. You can do chicken and chips. If you were to come around my house. So um, many times, honestly, the number of times my kids have wanted chicken and chips, we'd say, just hold on a sec. We're going to make the chicken. While you're eating the chicken, we're going to do the chips. I'm really sorry. That's just how life works out. Mate, mate, because we, don't have, a, we fryer, don't have a dual air fryer. If you were cooking them in an air fryer, you wouldn't have been able to do this. This is, this is groundbreaking technology. It's if not, you were to come it's around not my groundbreaking house, right? technology to suggest something that anybody can fucking do. If you were to come around my house, right? And what you come you walking do? in, chicken and you're and like, oh. simultaneously—that's your fucking pitch. No, but right, you come around my house, right, and you're like, "Oh bloody hell, I'm fucking starving. The drive here has killed me alone." Right? I then turn around and say, "Oh, uh, I've got some chickpea falafel that uh, I can put in the air fryer for you." Right? And I go, "Thank you so much for choosing the default <laughs> vegan offering." Then I, but then I go, "Oh, I also am hungry because I've been waiting for ages for you to get here. I don't want to eat because it's rude before you come to my house." Yeah. So then I basically even though, even though I knew what time you're turning up, I didn't even it didn't occur to me to start cooking before you arrived. So let's start prepping this now. <laughs> no, I've prepped everything. You're right, going to so need to I... give me 45 minutes while I season and marinate the wings. Obviously, they'll need a couple of hours for that to really soak in. And obviously, <laughs> so... it'd be rude for you to tuck into your chickpea falafel before I'm eating my wings. So you're obviously going to have to wait. No, but you turn around and go, "Are you cooking those in your air fryer?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah." And you go, "Well, you can't cook meat and falafel at the same time." And I go, well, in this one I can, because it's a dual-operating machine. So I can put the falafel, which is where... By the way, what a fucking tragic visit this is to your house. (laughs) And then I put the chicken in one, I put the falafel in the other. And then I'm like, oh, how was the drive here? And you're like, oh, there's a bit of traffic on the A1. But I was listening to some of my favourite tunes, so it flew by in a way. And then, before you know it, it beeps. I pull both out, I get some, you know, tortilla or pita bread, whatever you you know, which, whatever rocket fuels your power. And then I, I I put it in there, probably a bit of salad, a little bit of mayonnaise. You're like, I can't believe you cooked those at exactly the same time. 
Yeah, I can't okay. believe you make me vegan falafel, then put mayonnaise on it, you stupid. <laughs> My point is, you, yeah. it, it's a really groundbreaking bit of technology. Yeah. But why is air frying, I know you've told me this before, why is air frying better than... <laughs> well, hopefully, um, there's like, uh, on the new air fryer I've got, it's got a Max Crisp. Uh, Max Crisp? It actually sounds like a character from something me, me and you might write. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's got a Max Crisp, which is one of the things I'm really excited about because I, I want to get some <coughs> potato waffles in there. Yeah. Let's see if I'm getting them all nice and crispy. <coughs> um, you, you're the only person I know who, rather than their mouth watering, they just develop a dry cough. Just think about what they're going to be eating later. <laughs> no, it's, um, yeah, I'm just, yeah. So I'm very, very, very excited about it. I'm, it's sort of like, I don't want to become that guy who's then like filming stuff that I'm doing in it. You know, like, if I'm honest with you, I've thought like the, the thought of the, the old air fryer and me never mastering it, a little bit like Harry Potter and some of his spells, I guess. Like, like late at night, I would think about it, and I think about, I oh, was I too hasty and just breaking up? Should I tried harder? Should should I have mm. made more of an attempt to get to like you know ride the the air freshener or the air fryer? Sorry, to like like to master it. And like I look at some of my heroes and people that uh, who inspire me, and I think would they have given up? Like I gave up with an air fryer. No, they wouldn't have. They'd have keep. They'd have kept on going until they'd have got that beautifully crispy chicken, or that you know dense sort of like flavoursome falafel, or, or like some nice chips or whatever. Um, it's like Tom. Yeah. What are you making after this podcast? I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do. Well, I'm gonna do some chicken of some sort. Um, I might do sort of like uh, an ensemble of like sort of roasted vegetables in one drawer, um, and then I might. Just at the end of it, just do like a potato waffle just to sort of see if I can get it crispy yeah. and fluffy. Lisa's obsessed with roasted vegetables. I've got to say, I've really fallen out of love with them. What? What? I mean, but yeah, for you, it's different, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, it's like, for you, you're like a clown with a unicycle. Like Everyone else is like looking like going, oh, fucking hell, that's an interesting way of getting about. You're like, not really. I'll ride it every fucking day. It's actually quite yeah, boring sure, once you've mastered sure. it. Sure. Yeah, you know, the rest of us are like, oh, well, what an extraordinary machine. Yeah, you know? but for you, it's it's you're just mode of transport. It's the only yeah, thing you've got. You haven't got a car. Wave you, wave you all off on the train as I say. I'll be there in a couple of days. <laughs> oh, use a unicycle. No, I imagine you are jealous. <laughs> Not jealous. It's just like what you're used to driving. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, sure. Yeah, can't get. I can't get on the train with my big shoes. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose you could say it's whiteface. Uh, anyway. Right, should we do some emails? Because we, we need to make this episode tight because you've got to do some air frying. Yeah, um, okay. Do some air frying. Uh, so this also, is Also, anyone bit... uh, at Ramesh and myself and any air frying beautiful tips that you've got and the Wolf and Our Pod, just give us a little app. I think we need to be more across that sort of, you know, people. I've seen other podcasts are sort of now reaching out to people to sort of build a community and i think we should do that so at Ramesh, at me at the wolf and Owl, uh podcast yeah and we'll make of, yeah. it a feature shall we yeah we'll just think like that could be quite a fun thing sort of like you know i think maybe i might even for a late birthday present buy you an air fresh uh, air fryer i keep saying air fresh and air fryer yeah you do 
Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, here's a, here's another thing while we're on the subject of getting listener suggestions in. Yeah. I'm in the middle of writing a new tour, as you are yeah. as well. Yeah. And I've become obsessed with how to unlock my creativity, right? Because I, I want right. this to be the best show I've ever done, as I'm sure yeah, yeah. you want your show to be the best you've ever yeah. done. Well, it's so the first it, one I've done, so yeah, by sure. proxy it will be. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and also the worst. But <laughs> I, what I want to do is... Have I, you got a worse one, by the way, that you've done? Yeah, my first one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of now just thinking, just, just do what it is. It's not going to be your best work. Well, I think that you can. Uh, I think that so, you can get yourself too caught up in like you want this thing to be like absolutely trailblazing and whatever. I think that that can be creatively inhibiting. If I'm being honest, but then with I you. can think of at least three comedians off the top of my head whose first tour was the best tour they'd ever done, and they've not even got close to. That's it. That, yeah. yeah, but that's part of that. They're a victim of you knowing what they do after that. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. their fault. But, yeah, no, um, no, no, I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're having a go, but what I mean is like no, 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 but yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. But um, so I was thinking to myself, well, if I want to do that, I don't want to write the tour the same way that I've written every previous tour. I need to change something up. So I've been looking into it. There's certain things, for example, microdosing, right? Where you like do a little. You know what microdosing is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do a little bit of a drug. I mean, I'm, by the way, I'm not saying I'm going to do this. I'm just saying these are, these are the things what, that I've read about. What drug are you going to do? Well, you can try different ones, but like a rapper I know did microdose to LSD oh, the whole way through writing his album. Here we go. I'm just, uh, no, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm just telling you. I'm no, but it's to... like, it, this is like kicking back, get, you know, leash the kids go to bed. You're laying there in your board shorts. I can cap back to front of you. Sort of what a little is it with you and me in board shorts? Because <laughs> I saw you. I, 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 feel like that's, I feel like that's your most regular vision of me in your mind's eye. <laughs> No, because it was one of the first time I ever met you. I saw you. You were wearing, like, I think you like a pair of van trainers. Uh, you had some board shorts on, and like a sort of t-shirt and sort of your hat back to front. That's one yeah, of the you've first. You've done first image of me, I reckon, twenty times on this podcast. Every time's different. <laughs> I think, but board shorts has definitely come up more than once. No, <laughs> I can imagine you just like, oh, fucking kick back. Little microdose. Let's let the creative is the creative. That's all. My, all the favourite musicians do it. I'd, I, I'd be careful with microdosing with you as no, well. No, I'm not. Listen, can no, I but just you've be got a... to, You've like, like I think you've got to be really careful with microdosing because microdosing. You've got. I think Tom, you, I'm not going to do microdosing. I worry okay. that you'll become like a drug addict. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But I'm not going to microdose. So please, right. just be careful. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I don't worry about this. Yeah, yeah. All right. But then the other thing I thought of was like, I was watching um, Dave. You know Dave? the Dave. The little dicky show. Do you know where he goes off to Rick Rubin's place and like locks himself in a place to write his own? So I was thinking about like booking a a cottage somewhere and just holding myself up somewhere just completely on my own and writing the tour show. The difficulty of it is that I won't be able to gig in the evenings if I'm somewhere really remote. Yeah. So anyway, I suggested this to Lisa, and she goes, "What? Because you're not away enough. You want to just like." So that was, you know, that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, to to be fair, it's like I'll just do microdosing and just start taking drugs in the evening yeah, when everyone's in I bed. Just sort of, I did sort of threaten that. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't really. But anyway, the the reason I bring all this up is I'd love some ideas on how to unlock my creativity. I've even watched speeches by John Cleese. I don't know if you looked him up on YouTube, but pre London, because 
pre the London's not like what yeah. it used to be, John Cleese. He used to do talks on creativity, and they're actually quite interesting. He said one of the best things ever I've ever seen, by the way, about um, creativity and like being funny. And it was when he was doing Basil Forty. So it's a long, <coughs> long, long time ago, and he basically said they asked him about what made Basil Forty funny, and he said, "I, I never look in, I never look too much or think too much about it because I think if I unlock it, I'll start." I'll start overdoing it. I'll start overly playing that yeah. thing. Well, I think I think if you know, if I was looking at tips that I'm already practicing, not thinking too much about it, I think is very much in my one of my skill sets. Do you know what I mean? Underthinking well, what I do, hundred percent. I'd be. I, I think the only worry you'd have if you yeah, locked yourself away. I think an album yeah. is different from stand up. Sure. I mean, you know more than me, but I know that writing scripts and stuff. I find the more I'm around humanity and the more people that I I'm around and the more sort of the more humor that I can find and the more sort of I can, yeah, I can develop things in, in that way. I think like, I like, for example, if we're like, we're writing this thing at the moment. And if I, if I find myself a little with a bit of writer's block, I'm like, oh, I can't think of what makes this funny. I'll go and get a coffee somewhere and I'll chat to, to some strangers or chat to sort of people. And I'll have a bit of a time where I sort of mm. get out of the, the mode of just sitting there. I bet there's a trip advisor, which, and on it, there's a load of people saying, make sure you avoid the coffee shop near that fucking office. Just go in there for a coffee and some prick just starts engaging in 45-minute conversation. So what do you think about, like, so, you know, imagine if I was in a situation where, like, I wanted to buy something and I wanted to haggle. What do you think would be a funny way for that exchange to go down? Just just randomly, I just sort of saying it as a chat. Just you, you know, sat in the corner fucking shooting up a millimetre of smack. <laughs> Tiny <laughs> syringe. <laughs> Can I have an Americano and a teaspoon, please? Don't ask me why. Yeah, it's quite weird because one of my friend and Nathan just started coming. We were, we were smoking zoots outside and he just started sort of picking up our dog ends and just saying he's writing a new show and smoking. <laughs> yeah, and that's where that whole show about him just wanting Pringles came out. I don't, I, I don't know. I will go do some emails, won't I? Yeah, let's do some emails. Uh, so, dear Wolf Al Swan and the lovely cat from sunny Malaga in Spain. First and foremost, oh, this is from the Bearded Dragon. First and foremost, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to all of you for making me burst into laughter with your podcast. It's been a joy to catch up on all the episodes, and now I eagerly anticipate each new release. On a personal note, I've been in a relationship with my partner for nearly seven years, and they bring me immense happiness. However, it hasn't been easy as we've been navigating a long-distance relationship for the majority of that time. My partner is currently studying medicine in Madrid, and we make, sh- make sure to see each other for at least a few days every month, cherishing the moments we have together. As my partner is now in their final year of university, they're under an immense amount of stress with studying exams. I do my best to support and uplift them, but being apart can be challenging. Hence, I'm reaching out to you all for some words of encouragement that I can share with my partner. I know they would greatly appreciate it. I'm incredibly proud of my partner and eagerly look forward to the day when we can finally live together and start planning... Oh, my God, this is so lovely. ...and start planning our future in a more concrete way. Once again, thank you for all the laughs and all the positivity you bring through your podcast. Warmest regards, The Bearded Dragon. Tom Davis. Yo, The Bearded Dragon. Um, Well, for the first year of mine and Catherine's relationship was a sort of long-distance relationship. We lived in different cities. Um... So we'd sort of, we, we saw each other every weekend. We made sure that we, you know, from the sort of the most, I think from our first date onwards, really, we'd sort of made a sort of pact that if we, we try and see each other at least once a week, 
Um, but actually, I, I weirdly sort of found that that actual that that year, as as tough as it was at times, and sort of like your feelings grow for someone, was actually sort of so, some of the best sort of times in the fact that the actual feeling of looking really, really forward to seeing someone uh, physically, sort of like, and actually being with that person that you were sort of falling in love with, the, the, the excitement, I guess, of to seeing them, and it, so you never. For me, anyway, we, we and I think Catherine was the same. We we never sort of took that for granted. You sort of you really sort of enjoyed those times. Actually, weirdly as well, a bit like you know, I don't know if you had this wrong, but I I sort of now find that in the last month, like my schedule and being you know doing the tour, filming, writing, it's it feels like I'm so busy. So at the moment, if I get time with Grace and Catherine and and making sure that sort of Catherine is you know as much Grace is like when we have time, it's really, really spending that time and really enjoying the time together rather than just sort of just being tired or just being, you know, actually just really looking forward to, to the small things that you can do together. And I think that's actually weirdly taking a bit of your advice, Robert, I say weirdly, but what a really good bit of advice that you gave it. And like now we've, we've started going, Grace is that little bit older and we're like, we need to start looking after us as well, like the two of us and our relationship. So it's booking in things that we've got to look forward to a few sort of nights out and through a few things to start sort of really sort of enjoying that side of things. So I, I kind of think that naturally I think a relationship, I think is always going to go through, go through ups and downs. I think it's navigating a way of finding the best way that you could be the best partner that you can for the person. I think at the moment it sounds like you're an incredibly supporting person to your partner. And I think there'll come a time when they'll be, you know, they'll need to support you. And I think, I think you sound very sort of sad of mind. You, you, everything you've said sort of reminds me of things that how I felt at that time, you know, with Catherine and, and, and looking forward to sort of having those moments when you're building a future go. And I think, I suppose my main advice would be never losing sight of that. I think it's really easy to sort of kind of live in the now. And I know that there's a school of thought to sort of say not to look back and look forward. But actually, I think you can garner as much education about yourself by looking back and thinking about how far you've come. I certainly think sometimes that's that's one of the things I'm proudest of in my life is through the ups and downs and sort of things that we've been through to be here, you know, to serve us off. I think that's a pretty amazing thing. So, yeah, I think it's growing, learning, learning from your mistakes, but also knowing that the track that you're setting is one that you're setting together and enjoying life. There we go. Lovely. Really nice. Um, yeah, long-term dis- relationship, long-distance relationships are difficult. And uh, yeah, uh, as Tom said, finding that time to see each other is, is really important. What I would say with regards to uh, some words of encouragement that you can share with your partner, what I would say is this, is if you think about how much you look forward to the few days a month that you spend together at the moment, as hard as it is that you might not be able to see each other at the moment because you're in your final year at university, think about how much more wonderful that is going to be when you finally do see each other. And you're doing that final year of university so that you can increase your number of opportunities so that you can build a life together. And how exciting an opportunity is that? So what I would say to your partner is focus on that. I'll be here waiting for you when you're able to come and see me. And I would, off the back of what Tom said, book in something really incredible to do when they're done, just to sort of like something to, like a little thing, a goal to look forward to so that they know, they feel like, obviously, 
the hard work is intrinsically worth it because you're doing a degree. But sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. So if you've got something that's more obviously a reward, uh, like uh, a nice thing away with each other, that would be really ni- a really nice thing to sort out. And I wish you the very best of luck. Well done uh, for navigating the challenges of a long-distance relationship. Uh, mm. And good luck with it. A beautiful thing, bro. Beautiful thing. Uh, Okay, this is from the deflated rhino. Dear Wolf, Owl and the Wonderful Swan. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and it really is a highlight of the week. As I share my birthday with a great owl, I too decided to enter enter birthday rom mode and had a heavy few days. (laughs) I have tickets to see you both in knots. that's so creepy. What was? <laughs> well, I, what I did was creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, well, you what know what he's done or they've done is what you did. Whilst you went, what did I, I do? Tried, they I don't they even... went. I tried to. I mean, when you listen to it back, it'll break you. But um, yeah, the idea went, that I'm going to listen to this back is incredible. <laughs> Gone. What did you I do? It, yeah, I tried to. I tried to be like party Rob, and you went. <laughs> oh God! Did I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. Um, I've tickets to see you both in knots. <laughs> and I'm really buzzing to see you both live for the first time. A couple of days after my birthday, I had an interview for the perfect job. Staff are friendly. Interviews as smooth as a wolf's voice on a Sunday morning. Oh, God. And overall, it was such a positive experience. It's rarer than a bottle of Prime. <laughs> but I finally felt proud of myself. Yes, you guessed it. There's a buck coming. I made it to the final two. And was unsuccessful. I know that feels. Despite knowing it's speculative and the feedback was great, it was such a come down, not just from the sweet, sweet sugar of overpriced cocktails the days before, to get so close and be unsuccessful with a life-changing opportunity. As the kids would say, I'm taking too many L's lately and I want to be able to share some good news. So I'm coming to you, sweet souls, for some advice. A rallying cry, perhaps, for the next opportunity. Have you ever experienced something similar? And what motivation did you use to get over the that one the next time? Uh, and as I'm a teacher and students... As you know, from Pastigate, Rom, or up there with the Colleen Rooney with their espionage, I should probably stay anonymous. Uh, all the best, the deflated rhino. Tommy D. The deflated rhino, yeah. Um, well, I can quite candidly say I think most of my life has been a succession of L's. Uh, I can't even remember when I had a W, probably from about the age of six or seven up until about at least 28. I think it was just pretty much... Uh, a whole heap of L's. Um, and actually, when I look back, and, and weirdly, like, going and doing stand-up, and the, the advice Rom has given me about stand-up, and when you see, I think, the people that I really like, like Rom doing that, you, you have to find an honesty. So sometimes you're not looking for jokes, and sometimes you start, you'll tell a story that can maybe be regarded. There's a story I'm trying to work into the stand-up routine, which is quite sad when I tell it. It's quite Oh, yeah, and it sort of splits an audience, and I find it quite funny now <coughs> because it's uh, it's embarrassing, but it's also, and I have no problem with that because a lot of sort of the stories that I tell, the sort of the character that I built myself is through finding humour in the sort of things that have happened to me in the past. I think knowing that that job interview and the small reasons, the small margins that you didn't get it through, will probably mean it in a year or so, or six months, or whatever a chance will come through and something will come to you and that will be the thing that the reason that you 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 took the l's there is to take the w here you know i look at a life when if i'm honest at times i found quite depressing i found quite difficult always like never really amounted to much in my life and like having no real success and anything 
and kind of getting to a point of thinking, well, this should just be it. And, you know, I was 32 really before I sort of really found any, found who I was or had any course of a life that I thought, oh, this is actually something I can follow. And I think that from that moment, every mo- everything that I'd lost and all of the moments of angst or anxiety or depression, all the times that I sort of look back and go, you know, like, you know, me and Ron were joking there of like, why does this happen to me? Why is that? All? And it happens now. And when it does happen, in those, you know, the minutes it happens around, always a bit indignifying or a bit embarrassing but in the back of my mind I'm thinking but these are the things that have made you who you are they've kind of made you not bulletproof but they've made you realize that your your job within life is maybe to be the person that shit happens to and you try and find a way of making that funny and you try and make a final positive and actually that's kind of quite a refreshing way to look at yourself as as a person I think well you know so you seem like a pretty sound person you seem like you 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 know you seem funny for your email. You seem like you got your shit together, and, and the W's will come. It's not always going to be a row of losses. I don't think it is for anyone. I think, for the most part, like you know, cherish the W's, but don't let the L's get too much for you. Because, man, it's all a grind, baby. Just hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. Couldn't really um, think of the last bit of the advice. No, though. but it's good though. It's good advice up until that sort of your attempt to sort of freestyle a catchphrase at the end. There. <laughs> yeah, but, I, um, thought, I tried to interest <laughs> it at the end, and it didn't yeah. really work. Um, deflated rhino. Um, I went for a period in my life when I was like much younger than I am now, when like a load of shit happened, um, like bad stuff, like stuff that I would consider to be negative, and. There's stuff that's happened in my career that if you, I mean, you mentioned Pastigate. So I talked about this. I did Jackmate's podcast recently. I talked about this, about the fact that I, um, I went and did, I was involved in two pilots, uh, two TV pilots. And I found out that both of them were being knocked back as I was on my way to host Comic Relief. And I remember feeling so down in the car on the way there. But from the ashes of those two pilot fails emerged the Ranganation, which is like a show that I've gone on to to host and really love. So like, uh, it doesn't always work out like that, that stuff comes out of, of things like that, but stuff can come out of things like that. And what I would say is, if I was going to give you any advice, is what you've got to do is you've got to avoid the, avoid the mindset of, of thinking you are the person that takes L's. Because it's really, really easy to fall into where you just go, that's just my life. Just shit, bad shit happens to me. That is who I am. And you allow that to define you. And that is all right to feel like that temporarily. But what you don't want to do is to go into your next interview going, I'm not going to get this because I'm the sort of person that this doesn't happen for. Because what that will do is that will restrict how you are in an interview. And actually what you'll actually do is you'll manifest what you're afraid of, which is you won't get it because you just won't be as good as you should be. So... You know, if I was going to give you a microcosm of it, the very best people on panel shows, as you know, panel shows record for a lot longer than you actually see on the TV. And when you get good at panel shows is when you realise that if you say something, it's fucking shit. It doesn't matter. You're going to say something else in a minute. Whereas the, the, the when you first start doing panel shows, you say something crap and then you don't say anything for the next 40 minutes because you're so ashamed and so embarrassed and you're just like, oh my God, I'm shit at this. I don't want to talk. That that is like a, a a very microcosmic example of feeling like you take L's. You sort of go, I can't say anything on this show because everything I'm saying is crap. You got to get out of that mindset. 
if you take an L, one, it's a learning opportunity. Like, you know, you're going to see where you went wrong, see what went wrong and, and reflect on it for next time. And two, that is not become, now become your habit. That is just a one-off. You've got to treat each of these things as a one-off thing. Sometimes, if you know, it, when it comes to jobs, the truth is, if you didn't get that job, there's an argument that you weren't right for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and you probably wouldn't have gone on to, to enjoy it. So you just got to see the, these things happen for a reason. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mean they happen for a reason in a mystical, in, spiritual way. I mean, they happen for a reason as in you weren't supposed to do that thing. You're going to do something else. You're going to find a job that's, you're going to interview for a job that's better than that and get it. So, you know, I guess the long and the short of this waffling answer is uh, do not allow yourself to become defined by your L's. Learn from them, progress from them, move on stronger as a result of them, but do not allow them to become your narrative. That would be wow. my advice Beautiful to you. Beautiful, that one. Yeah. Mm, it's like right. you're basically in a way of just saying just to maybe just sort of like finish off because my bit was you are a captain of a ship. Enjoy the ship and enjoy the journey in which it's going. But don't let the waves take you off a course that you're going to. <laughs> um, okay. I, I don't know why you're giving it another attempt. But I guess that's an example of, you know, Tom took an L with his catchphrase attempt last time. And he didn't let that stop him. And there's an example of where it can go wrong because he's doubled his L set. <laughs> um <laughs> But he'll he'll go again. Trust me. Before this before this episode's out, he'll go again. Don't worry about that. Uh, okay, should we do one more email? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from the Bouncy Beagle. Uh, <laughs> this is called Visible Nipples. Uh, yo, Al Wolf Swan at et Al. Hot on the back of Al talking about his unruly nipples. I used to sit opposite a girl at work whose nipples were often on full alert. Worse still, much to my embarrassment, she used to point them out to me, leaving me unsure what the appropriate response should be. Uh, of course, pretending not to have noticed. What would you two sweet souls have said in that situation? Thank you for sharing your genuinely heartwarming brotherly love. The Bouncy Beagle. Tom D. Uh, I think I'd have been fiercely embarrassed um, and sort of I, I, I'd find that really, really uncomfortable, I've got to say. I'd find that really, really just not something to sort of, I don't know. I'd, 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 but then weirdly, if when you said, when you, me and you talked about it and we've both, we've both got a predicament, I know that I've joked with friends uh, of both sexes about my nipples and they've been brought to my attention from friends of both sexes. So I guess it's a thing of like, I, I would find that agonisingly awkward if that was built up to me. If I was sitting at opposite someone or if I was in the same sort of space as someone and, and, uh, and a female friend brought that up, I'd find that really, really embarrassing. <clears throat> I guess I'd become quite prudish. I'd sort of sort of hope that I had a sandwich or something I could eat and look at and then go, oh, this is a stronger cheese than I anticipated. Or, yeah, oh, there's not much chicken in this baguette. I don't know Sort of because say you what you're asking, hoping that she's going to request a move to a different desk. <laughs> no, I just would, or I'd just go. Oh, you know, uh, oh god, Succession was great last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, uh, obviously, yeah. if if Succession is not a time of Succession's on, I'd go. You know, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, uh, Six Foot Under, whatever. You know, or I'd go. Oh, I just got back into watching Six Foot Under. It's actually a lot better than I remember. Um, what would you? I mean, I know what you're like. You'd be like, oh, fucking hell, mate. No, well, here's this is what I think. I think the girl, this is my guess. The girl is probably aware that her nipples are often on full alert 
And she was trying to diffuse the situation by, as we all do about our insecurities, which might, it might this might have been insecurity for her, with with merit or without, you know, she shouldn't be embarrassed about it, but she might have been. Uh, in the same way that I make a joke about my lazy eye, in the same way that Tom might make a joke about his height or whatever, you're trying to get there first. So I think what's probably happened is she's embarrassed about it and she's pointed it out to sort of just take the air out of the situation. In which case, I think you should respond in kind and go, oh, yeah, well, you know, it happens all the time. You know, that's... I, I it, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because it, it probably, it's probably unfair to, like, looking at my own growth as a person, it probably is unfair for me to... I would be really, really... I'd be mortified and I'd be very embarrassed, but maybe that isn't the way, best way of handling well, it. Well, I just think she's trying to... I, I suspect she's trying to, like, make it not a thing anymore. Do you know what I mean? That's what my gut would be on that. And so probably... So this is why I love this chat to you sometimes, because I feel now what? that I would deal with it, because now I feel bad if anyone's going to say You don't have to feel that. bad. No, 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 no but to... I think it's all about self-growth. I look at it and think I would be mortified and embarrassed, but now I actually look at it and think, well, actually, what you're saying makes more sense that that person's feeling embarrassed. And then if I'm fucking falling around a chicken baguette or sort of making small talk about a TV show, it's going to make them feel even more embarrassed. So actually, it's it's a good bit of advice yeah, but for me. And well, look, we don't know that we don't know that I'm right for one. But for, but also the other thing is what you're doing is coming from a good place. You know what I would say is absolutely under no circumstances should you mention it first. Oh, no, Reg- reg- no, no, regardless no, of how Jesus, comfortable, no. re- regardless of how comfortable she pretends to be about it, yeah, you do not notice it. You do not ever notice it until she brings it up, yeah, and then you still haven't noticed it. That would be my advice to you. Oh, are they? Uh, do you? Are you? Oh, never noticed. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that's how to play that. I think would be my gut on that. Um, I actually, okay. do, do you know what we've been doing this podcast for what two years? A year? I don't know how long we've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. That advice, I actually genuinely think that is that's you. You know, I like microdosing and all this sort of like cool stuff that you say, and like when you're trying to be trendy and hip. Um, that advice, I look at you now and I actually think I'm so glad that you're my you're my best buddy. Yeah, that was like a really no. I just think that shows what a good guy you are. Oh my like, god! Yeah, no, I mean that, man. It's a really it's that's the depth of you, and I like that, man. It's it's a really I, I I felt a little bit of pride inside myself when you said that. Okay. Well, I feel proud of you every single minute of every single day, Tom. It's all love, baby. It's all love. It's all. No, love. I wouldn't. I wouldn't shoot the pride button over in this direction until we've got this fucking podcast over in my second. Uh... <laughs> so Tom Davis is about to step up for his second <clears throat> freestyle thought of the day. Tommy D, do your thing. Keith Pritchard had a horse. It was the most beautiful horse in all of. <laughs> And all of the stables. Every day, Keith would sit astride it and he'd glide around the paddock and around the other areas where people had horses. And quite often, he would sort of shout, like, look at me, Keith Pritchard, setting aside my beautiful my beautiful steed, the most beautiful steed in all the land. People with lesser horses used to stare almost with animosity at Keith Pritchard and his beautiful steed thinking, man, he isn't any sort of, he'd be nothing without that beautiful, beautiful horse. Time passed, and sadly, as as is with pets and animals and such, Keith's horse passed before he did. And when Keith was digging an abnormally big grave to put his horse in, he stroked his face and thought, I will never find a more beautiful horse than you. You are my treasure. 
So Keith decided never to have a horse again, and he'd walk around the streets just by foot, and he'd look at people with lesser horses, and he'd remember his old beautiful horse and think, hmm, I wonder how long I can go before I find another beautiful horse. And before long, Keith decided to get another horse. He looked far and he looked wide, and every horse he found, although he'd ride it for a bit, no one would really, really notice him. He'd sort of feel lesser than he had on his beautiful horse. and He'd give that horse away and try another horse and another horse, another horse and another horse. And he felt quite inferior. That's kind of what life is like in a way. Yeah, you can pack up and put on the best shirt or the best jacket or the best pair of clothes and you can put on a big shiny hat or some designer shoes that will cost you hundreds of thousands of pounds. And you can walk into a party and you can feel like you rule the party, that you're the best thing there. But the truth of the matter is, it's only a material thing. You're no different than Keith sitting on a horse that, you know, you could fall off. The truth is, work on yourself. Work at being the best person you can be. Work at you being the horse that everyone marvels at. Everything else is just materialistic. Be the best version of yourself and let that be the candor that lights your candle. Wow. Wow. Now, what a lesson there. He took two L's and trying to come up with a catchphrase. Try and let that be the candor that lights your candle. Somebody's got themselves a W. Congratulations, Tom Davis. Well, you know what? It's all swings and roundabouts, baby. Sometimes you it hit, sometimes isn't it you run. Just, yeah, okay, don't go again. Uh, now, <laughs> <coughs> uh, to play us out, we often have people uh, ask us about the theme tune to this podcast. And it's about the the, the theme tune that... The um, the beat was done by Reaver and the rap, the lyrics were done by a rapper called Michael Payne, who's no longer a rapper, actually. He's a screenwriter now and a very successful one. Yeah, um, But I thought I would play us out with the song that first led me to pay attention to Michael Payne, the rapper. Oh. Uh, and that is the absolute banger, Blame Miss Barkley. Uh, oh, a man, this all is about a, a teacher, a, a song all about a teacher that inspired him. Uh, we're gonna, it's an absolute banger. And we're dedicating this episode to Justin, a.k.a. Michael Payne. Thank you for blessing us with the theme tune. And thank you for blessing us with this tune. Thank you to all of Bye you guy. for listening to The Wolf for Now. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Boo-boo-boo. They want to know why Mr. Payne writes in the way that he does. Some are genuinely intrigued. Some are making a fuss. They just can't seem to figure it out, so they complain and they cuss. They feel the sting because he's got to be creating a buzz. There's no bitch behind these bars. He doesn't bow in the showers. And no impulse to keep him sweet. He's acting sour to cowards. While the flavour shuts him up, he's found a way to sum shit up. The end result, 316s to the power of hours. This is nothing like the other stuff you're into. Yes, this is an album, but it's more of a motherfucking tribute. This information's vital. It explains the title. Here's a little something that I dedicate to my school teacher. She taught me English in my teens. I didn't fancy her, but she's one of the women of my dreams. She played a part in creating the formidable machine called Michael Payne. I'd like to say this is a big conspiracy. If you have a problem, opinion, feedback, or anything at all, please email us at wolfalpod at gmail.com. That's wolfalpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, mainly because we don't have any content ideas. Thank you.